Wow, did we have a great week or what? Sorry guys, I know you were all on pins and needles waiting for uh, the hate week slinging quack. Sean and I's schedules did not line up and I didn't feel like doing a 30 minute monologue uh, like Brett Easton Ellis does on his podcasts. So I'm Rusty, joined by Sean. The thing that's on everybody's mind, what'd you think of the Star Wars trailer? I uh, I watched it the other day, and we're gonna we're gonna start off with some hot takes here. Um, I've never seen any Star Wars, and I don't plan on seeing this one either. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, first off, talk closer to the microphone. Second off, why have you not seen a single Star Wars movie? Sci-fi is just not my thing. Um, oh my god! I remember you I, telling I, me this earlier, but I never knew why. Yeah. I've I've made it through my new personal record. I made it through uh, thirty minutes of whatever the original one is. I, I literally don't know the name of it. That's how disinterested I am in this series. Was it A New Hope? With uh, is that episode four? Yeah, yeah. Made it made it to about thirty minutes into that one, and I got bored, and I never got back around to oh it. Oh my god, what is wrong uh, with you? So. <laughs> You know, never my cup of tea, but I do appreciate that uh, that Harrison Ford is back. You know, he's just a beast that doesn't quit, but that's uh, that's my take on it. Oh my god, I totally forgot that you have never seen uh, Star Wars. Okay, bigger question. We're recording this uh, on the day that Doc and Marty go into the future. If you haven't seen the Back to the Future trilogy, we're going to have to stop this podcast right now. Um, we're going to Oh my god. We're going <laughs> to keep going. I've seen the original. I've seen Back to the Future. Okay. But I haven't seen the others. Okay, close enough. Close I've enough. Made, I've made a step in the right direction. How did Wait, you didn't you saw the first one and we're like, "Nope, I'm good." I saw the first one and then I just I never got around to seeing the other ones oh my god well they're on tv on today TV. like on a solid marathon run so oh yeah and i know today's it's your saturday so you have literally no excuse it's on the agenda good it's on esquire network all day so yeah well back to the future part two is going to be on in 23 minutes we'll be still recording um if you want to have the or if you want to have that on in the background totally cool at this point, totally cool. Whatever lets you watch it. Otherwise, there is another showing at 10 p.m. So I'll pencil. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. Okay. So. So this is the ridiculous part. Uh, there were. Okay. So there's. You saw the Star Wars trailer, though, right? a trailer okay so you saw that there was a black stormtrooper yes okay apparently a lot of people are really upset about it enough to where the hashtag boy scott uh, boycott star wars 7 was a thing oh yeah like that'll happen yeah yeah i'm sure i'm sure that uh 
the millions of people going to see it will still make up for a couple thousand. So yeah, exactly. Apparently, they're upset with. Uh, uh, <laughs> I almost can't believe that this is a thing. They're upset that they're replacing white heroes and pushing a multicultural agenda. Hmm. <laughs> What's your like? That might be the biggest, steamiest people hot take are, I've ever heard. People are reaching, I think. I think people are reaching. Oh my god, it was I I was just watching there was a segment on uh the Daily Show last night where they were talking about it. Just unbelievable that that's a thing. Also, not so unbelievable, here's the segue. Oregon beat Washington for the twelfth year in a row. I've uh, I, I said it leading up to the game, and I will say it again. This season is now a success. Anything else that happens after this is just fine and dandy in my book. Oh, yeah, for sure. I'm cool with whatever at this point. I made my deal. I made my deal. If, Washington, if Oregon beat Washington, I was fine. That's my deal. I'm not going to be one of those guys that's like, Oh, now I want this. Now I want this. No, I'm not going to get greedy. I remember what I wanted going in, and that was Oregon to beat Washington. You know, it's like those scenes out of the movie when when people get in, like, these desperate situations, and they, like, drop to their knees, and they're like, please, God, let me just have this one thing, and I'll never ask for anything again as long as I live. Yeah. That that was this game. Yeah. That was this game. Like, we're four and three now, right? And so... If we if we lost out, heck, even if we lost to Oregon State, we still beat Washington. Doesn't yeah. matter. I don't care. I, I take I take a loss to Oregon State. We're all we're all we're gonna go to a bowl game that nobody cares about. We're gonna pretend to we're not even gonna pretend to be excited about it. We're just gonna embrace it for what it is of more practices. Um Maybe get a nice trip to San Diego. Maybe go to the Holiday Bowl. Maybe get some December sunshine. You know? Really hoping for the Hawaii Bowl. <laughs> so we can do sling and quack from the beach. I will not, not give up on that. I was talking to my old college roommate last night, and I said, I said, just let's let's just go to the Holiday Holiday Bowl. You know, let's let's just go to San Diego, make a nice trip out of it. And he goes. You really think this team is good enough to to make it to the Holiday Bowl this year? And that was kind of the season in a nutshell, that statement right there. I was like, as sad as it is, that's absolutely right, that the Holiday Bowl might be a reach. Mm -hmm. Man, but whatever, we beat Washington, so I'm cool with that. Doesn't matter, beat Washington. (laughs) Moving on Uh, with our lives. I would, um, I would like to take a moment to kiss the feet of Darren Carrington. I'm giving him the MVP award. Yeah, stop smoking weed, too. Yeah. Guy, Although, in all honesty, he probably got a contact high. Guy comes back after missing first six games of the year and just comes back like he didn't miss a beat. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I, I noticed during the game, like, everyone was like, oh, here's the Vernon Adams that we all were waiting for and... And uh, and I'm not trying to take that away from him. Vernon Adams finally had like a great game, and he was. Uh, I mean, the offensive line was just a steaming pile of hot garbage, and he had to run for his life every other throw. But 
He was he was solid, and uh, and Darren Carrington was was a god, basically. Oh yeah, he was just making big play after big play after big play, mm-hmm. and yeah, that, that I I I don't know if you have that same type of connection with like Jeff Lockie. <laughs> and just, I would also just laugh. Not even planned. <laughs> uh, so yeah, yeah. Um, healthy Vernon Adams and a non-suspended Darren Carrington is just what this team needs. Yep. Um, first off, Vernon Adams. I don't think that I've ever seen a a position improve so much just from one guy showing up. He's like, guys, guys, chill. I got this. It wasn't even that. It was just like, all right, uh, I think I'm a little better. Uh, let's go out, just make some plays. Here we go. Um, I think my favorite thing by far is how much, how much backyard there was from him. Just like sitting in the pocket. Oh, yeah, he did much better in the pocket. Like he knew when the... Whitney to stay in, new one to leave. Uh, my favorite thing all game was when he would point downfield on third and three, and then just huck a forty yarder. <laughs> <laughs> you could call it a shot. Oh my uh, god! My, my friend texted me and said Vernon Adams pointing is my new favorite thing. Yeah. He's like, he's like, I'm not even going to try and disguise my pass. I am literally going to call my shot from the pocket. <laughs> DB, I'm coming at you. It's just... It was refreshing. I mean, that's kind of... That was the, the Vernon Adams that we had waited for all season long. It just it just took six games to get there. Losing yeah. three of them. Yeah, losing three of them. Um, Utah, that's fine. That's who Utah is. Michigan Utah, State, that's yeah. fine. Washington State, oh my god. Like I'm, I'm okay with the the Utah and Michigan State losses because those are two top level programs this year. Uh huh. But yeah, when you lose to Washington State, that's just that's that's a place that no man wants to be. Yeah. Uh yeah. Not about that life. Um, man, Darren Carrington though, just wow. What a stud. Like, like him and Vernon Adams combined were just I don't know where this team has been. Yeah, it was it was like one of those where have you been all my life situations. Like yeah. this is what And like the funny part, I think this kinda also says for like the team has been recent weeks or really for the most all season long, is that like this was the closest game against Washington in the in the twelve year streak so far, and it, you know, we quote unquote only scored twenty six, but yeah. it felt like a better performance than what the final score said. Even though we only twenty six points, like just of all, we looked so much better than we had. In, in recent weeks. Yeah, it's uh, like Royce Freeman hit 100, and he made it look pretty manageable the whole time. 
Uh, <laughs> what else? We had uh, very few negative plays. Very few. Um, I don't know how many, but it's a lot less than I remember. And there could have been, uh, and like you know, there Vernon's should have been sacked in that game about twelve times or so. Uh huh. That's probably an understatement. Um. But yeah, that was the thing. I think that was the thing I was impressed with the most overall is how how he responded to um, how he responded to that pressure in the pocket when it just collapsed about every play yeah um, and he was he was able to escape the pocket and make smart throws downfield all while calling a shot yeah yeah oh man there's so, so many amazing plays. Um, Stat-wise, Vernon Adams, 14 for 25, 272 yards and two touchdowns. Nice. Did he have a pick? I don't think so. He did not have an interception. Which is nice. Very nice. Royce Freeman, 27 carries, 138 yards, did not have a touchdown, but still a solid day. Darren Carrington, five catches, 125 yards, two touchdowns. Pretty good. Boss. Pretty good. And then how? Let's let's give it up for Ugo Amadi coming up with the. Uh, coming up with the. I'm not going to call it the the Kenny Wheaton pick because no, no slackery didn't didn't go for the pick six. It but, felt uh, huge. But it felt. It felt like a, a game. It was a you know, it was a streak saving interception. Oh yeah, because we we were just talking about this off the pod. When they got the ball back, when the Huskies got the ball back with like a minute, but like, here it is. I'm terrified right now. This is this is when they make the move. Yep, I I remember. I was just thinking to myself. I was like. This is where it all falls apart, and this is where Washington drives down the field and scores a game-winning touchdown with, like, no time left. Yeah. Yeah, because was it on that the third down play, Oregon decided to pass it and basically gave... Over a minute. It was over a minute, whereas otherwise it would have been, what, 20 seconds, 25 seconds, something like that? Yeah. You know? But... um it was. I was not. It's not feeling too good at that moment there. Yeah, I guarantee though they had the conversation at timeout, where it was like, "Don't force it. If you're gonna throw an incompletion, or if it's not a sure thing, just like take a knee." Yeah. And well, see, here's the thing too. If if Oregon converts, he's a genius, right? Oh, exactly. Yeah, it's that you know. Convert, you're a genius. You miss it, you're an idiot. Yeah, like every fourth down play of all time. Exactly. Yeah, I, it was. I even totally fault him for it. It was, you know, it was kind of a risky call, but I can see the logic and what they were trying to do. Mm-hmm. It just. And if I remember the play right, he he was going for Johnny Munt, and Munt was open. He just dropped it, right? Um, it wasn't a good throw. Okay. 
he he went like back because he rolled left and then he threw back over across the field. Yeah. Man. Um, also of note, DeForest Buckner really showed up. Where has he been all year? Like our front seven did really well. Yeah. Getting pressure. Prevo had a day. Like all these guys that haven't been doing that much really showed up. Like I've said it for I've said it pretty much every week now. Uh our secondary has been fantastic. Uh, despite what everybody else thinks because they don't actually watch film or like pay attention to what's going on. They just think the secondary is in charge for every single pass play that get that happens, even though it's in the flats, but whatever. Um you know, the front seven finally showed up. Play our our best defensive foreman beer. Uh, yeah, I would because it, it was what I mean. Washington only had about six points up in well, It took them a long time to actually get to the end. So. Yeah, can you talk closer to the mic again? Uh, it took them a long time to get. Oh yeah, it was like a five-minute drive. Yeah, I was uh, I was texting with one of my friends who's a husky. I know, um, and I messaged him and I go, "Am I reading the scoreboard right? I'm not sure." He goes, "Isn't it like twenty-six? Uh, what was it like twenty-six fourteen? And he goes, yeah. And I go, okay, well, based on how Washington's uh, driving right now, I would think it was a tie game. Because they took, like, over five that minutes was, to get down. And that was, like, that was ast- the clock management there was astonishing. Was, yeah. They were having a successful drive, and their fans were booing them. Yeah. Because it was like, do you not realize that you're, like, you're losing the game right now? You know, you, you move. Yeah, and it was. The EFPN announced it just Yeah, it just seemed like there was no urgency. Yeah. At all. Like, granted, they scored, but when you take yeah. over five minutes and it's still a two-score game, like, you I'm should sure be giving yourself as much time as the, possible. I'm sure they touched on it in the press conference, but I would just ask Chris Pearson, like, dude, what was going through your head there? Yeah. Like, did you never look over at the clock once and been like, oh, maybe we should pick up the pace a little bit? Yeah, and then they didn't even go for an onside kick afterwards. And I was like, oh, if they score a touchdown, they're really banking on this onside kick right now. Nope. Yeah. Long kickoff. So, I just, I don't know. That was so confusing to me. Side note, did you see that their backup quarterback, who was their quote-unquote running quarterback was lined up in pump protection every time. Yeah, that was bizarre. I've never seen anything quite like that. Because uh, all game, like, I noticed that. I think the commentators even pointed out, it's like, that is... They were pointing that, that's like, an same, Easter egg. same thing. They're like, I, they're like, I don't know if I've ever seen that strategy before. It's like, yeah, I get that he's the running quarterback or whatever, and he's probably got some power to him, but, like... 
you really don't have anyone else who can block other than a backup quarterback, really? Yeah, apparently not. And of course, I mean, if you see like if you see a backup quarterback in there on a punt formation, you're obviously thinking, okay, this is a fake. Yeah. But no, it's just standard punt. Yeah. It just, there's a lot of plays that I don't think Washington did very well. Like clock management, clock management problematic. Yeah. A lot of fourth and shorts. I think they should have gone for. I I think overall, I think what, and this is kind of what you're touching on right now. I think what eventually what bit Washington in the butt in this one was, they were just playing it a little bit too safe. You know, yeah. Had they gone for some of those fourth and ones in, you know, when they were in no man's land, you know, had they moved the ball a little bit quicker and gained a couple extra minutes for their last drive? Because yeah. uh, so here, you know, here's kind of what it comes down to. I think is we'll we'll kind of play like a couple what ifs. Is what if you know what if Washington goes like no huddle on that on that last scoring drive and let's you know let's give them you know, an extra, let's give them an extra minute or two, you know? So suddenly you're talking about either like two or three minutes to move the ball down the field. You're not in like panic mode then when you're trying to drive. Yeah. You can relax a little bit more. And I think, you know, maybe that interception doesn't happen and maybe it changes things. But again, it's just hypotheticals and what ifs, but you got to go big or go home. Right. Yeah. It's uh I just I didn't understand a lot of that of what they did. It's uh, I like having a chip in my head of like Chip Kelly, Michael Kleiner, Wilson. What you say? I I like to have this image of of Chip Kleiner and just chuck myself. You keep cutting in and out. This is bad. Chip Kelly in a recliner. Chip Kelly in a just full of himself. Oh, just full of himself? It's just laugh at Washington's decisions. Man. Well, at least it goes another year. Oh, you know, it was funny too because uh, uh, there was, I wrote the hate article. And the one moderator from UW came over and was talking about how this was like manufactured hate and everything and how it was Gestapo propaganda. First off, the Gestapo did not do propaganda. That wasn't their thing. That was Goebbels. The Gestapo was the secret police. A, so your Nazi reference is both lazy and wrong. Um, But what was the other one? It's like it just... just, uh, reads like extremism and stuff it's like yeah we hate you we hate you so obviously it's not manufactured at all uh that was basically part of a larger effort of of washington fans to act like they don't actually care like that was so clear through like everything leading up to this game like "Eh, it's not that big of a rivalry Eh, we don't care that much and then after the game they really showed their true colors yep really showed their true colors because they wanted to win that game as much as they told us they didn't care they and they to. knew they knew it was their best shot yeah yeah 
So, man, it was so funny. This week in Schadenfreude on SB Nation was had a whole Washington section. Let me pull it up because it was so funny. Um, it was, God, I just thought it was so funny. See, that's what happens with, uh, like, a lot of these rivalries, right? Like, I wrote about this. Like, a lot of these players now at Oregon are from, like, a lot of different places. Right. Most of the team is from California. So they don't necessarily grow up with this rivalry. Like, Wash, like, Helfrich knows because he grew up here and everything. Yep. Uh, Peterson knows because he's been at Oregon and now at Washington. Um, but I don't think the players care. Like, obviously they care about winning and they kind of know it's a rivalry game. But they don't understand. They don't hate. And so it's really more of a thing between the fan base than anything else. Um, so, I mean, it's kind of sports, though, in general. Could you imagine how chippy it would get on the field? If, if it was fans? If, like, if it was fans or if it was, like, players who truly understood. Yeah. There's so many little dirty cheap shots left and right. Yeah, like Alabama-Auburn. Yeah, exactly. Or Georgia-Florida, stuff like that. So, all right, let's let's go. Let's take a look at a few of these. From uh, this is from um, this is on SB Nation. I'm seriously considering giving up being a football fan and taking up croquet. Oh, that's dark. Everyone is fired. Tear down the campus. F this region. F this program. Burn it. Burn it all to the ground. And then what? <laughs> <laughs> this is my favorite one. It's like three paragraphs, so I'm going to paraphrase. And he's basically just talking about how he hates watching football now. Um, he hates losing to Oregon every year. He uh, literally cannot watch a game and not swear profusely to where other people w- uh, will look at him. Um He's had to watch it like 14 years. He hasn't seen a time at all where Washington is successful. Um, he thinks everything is everything bad is going to happen every play. Uh, it, it was just oh, here's my favorite line: um, "Earmuffs if you don't like swear words." I keep hoping things will change. That at some point, whatever loser coach we have will turn the corner and pretend to earn his multi-million dollar salary. But every time it, <laughs> but every time it ends with a swift kick to. <laughs> Sorry, if you read the whole three paragraphs, it's hilarious. A swift kick to the dick, followed by the realization that as long as a bunch of liberals who don't give a fuck about football run you dub, the football team is never going to be good again. Oh, the hot takes. <laughs> my favorite part is a bunch of liberals who don't give an F about football. <laughs> you it's, like, it's like a political twist there. <laughs> if it wasn't a bunch of Obama supporters. Yeah, thanks a lot of Obama. Wasn't, wasn't for a bunch of uh, Bernie Sanders bandwagoners. Oh my god, that was so funny. Man, this whole article this week was fire. Like, Missouri's... Like, you you know how bad Kansas has been this year, right? Like, they pinned 
Kansas Rutgers is like the worst football game anyone has ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> and a Missouri fan wrote, I would trade offenses straight up with Kansas. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Oh, Jesus. This was so funny. This was so funny. Um, and then that that wasn't even the worst part of this weekend for rivalry games, other than Michigan's punter, like, losing control of his mind. Uh, and basically ruining the Michigan State game. Granted, it was a terrible snap. Uh, but... Michigan State didn't lead that game until there were zeros on the clock. They were down that whole game. Yeah, the I saw like a, it was like a win probability. Thing. Oh yeah, and it was like at the time of that punt, Michigan State had a I think they had like a point two percent chance to win the game. Yeah, might have even been point oh two. Yeah, it like it was, been, it was bad. Might even been less, and it's just like, oh god, you thought the, uh, it's like you thought the kick six was bad in the, in the Iron Bowl. It's just like, it goes from, that's just like ripping your heart out in about two milliseconds, right there. Yeah, but that game was tied, right? The Iron Bowl. Yeah, the kick that, six was in a tie game. The Iron Bowl was like, okay, he's not going to hit this like sixty-yard field goal. It's overtime. Yeah, but nothing's going to happen. Yeah. One, it was like Michigan just has to punt the ball away and make sure they hold them, and we're all good to go. Yeah, and there was the funny part is that Michigan State had nobody back. They just had eleven people going, so the Michigan punter could have basically just like skied it. He could have just like caught it and then just like kicked it like a soccer ball. And that would have been like all he didn't need to do anything other than put his toe on it and get it ten yards past the line of scrimmage. Yeah, exactly. Nope. Can be a cruel game. But that's why we love college football. It's an emotional roller coaster. Just the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. Yeah, seriously. Um, okay, now we get to the part where it's a luxury to talk about this stuff. Okay. Um, is there anything else we want to cover? Let me pull up this box score real quick. Because um, I thought... Cause I remember wa- watching these games, I always tried to like uh, pick out a couple things to go over. Oh, it's a bye week this weekend, so that sucks for us. Because we play at Arizona State next week. Yes, um, we will do a uh, we'll do an do an early preview next week because that'll be a big game. Oh, you will. You're going to uh, Tucson, no Tempe, Tempe. Going on the road to Tempe Thursday, some Thursday night action. Oh, jealous! That's one of the st- that's the my last year in college. That was like the one stadium in the 2012 schedule that I didn't get to because it was on a, oh sh- that I didn't get to because it was on a Thursday yeah that, I remember this was like this was the game that before the year we're like oh this could be a trap game and if there's anything that's going to stop us from a run at the playoffs it might be this game 
Well, that ship has sailed. Now we're like this. Uh, now, now we're like this is a must win to get to a bowl game. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. So okay, so Royce Freeman has 150 more yards after contact and 20 more missed tackles than Leonard Fournette. That was a stat I just saw. Uh. Let's see. Our Vernon Adams QBR, 18.3. That is amazing since, like, Jeff Lockie's has been, like, 18. 50s average. <laughs> uh, Royce Freeman, 27 carries, 138 yards. Um, Braylon Addison had a gr- secretly great day receiving. He made a lot of plays. Yeah. Um, he, but, yeah. He, he was... Uh... Yeah, he didn't. He didn't get to the end zone, but he was he was quietly successful. He had a bunch of really good plays. Yeah, like got a few good first downs. Um, Darren Carrington. We already talked about him. Where'd he come from? Uh, Washington had nine receivers. So, like, no matter how many sacks we got, this box score doesn't list stats or for sacks, but. So much pressure, and I'd like to point out it was three man pressure. Right, the three man actually worked. Yeah, well, it's see people, people, people who don't actually. It's here's the thing. Here's the thing. People who don't actually watch what's going on and they just kind of like, it's kind of like whatever. Uh, I see like a lot of passing yards, so that's the secondary. I see any receiver catch a pass. That's the secondary. Uh, like they just see like no sacks, so they're they're like, oh, this three man rush isn't doing anything. As mm-hmm. if adding more blitzers wouldn't make passes easier. You know, you can't have it both ways. You can't be like, why don't we have a pass rush and then say, why isn't our coverage better? So I'm so sick of seeing all these people. Uh, they're like, oh, it's the three-man rush or whatever. It's like, it works fine. It works fine in the right scenarios. This is one of those scenarios where it works. When you got Buckner going full speed, you throw in like a couple other blitzers and stuff like that, it works out just fine. So, I mean, it all depends. Like, if you're, if you're going to complain about no sacks and you can't complain about... Uh, not having good pass coverage, yeah. you know. So, really tired of hearing that because it's just people who don't watch, like really watch. Like the easiest way to tell like what's actually going on is to watch the linebackers. If you're just like watching a game live and you're trying to figure out exactly wh- what's going on and how things are happening, mm-hmm. just watch the linebackers because they tell you everything. So. Um. Yeah, and Oregon was getting a lot of pressure with three people, so there was no need to run a f- to rush a fourth. So that that know. worked. Yeah. Yeah. So whatever. And there's a few guys who blog and write about college football a lot on bigger platforms who also don't seem to watch the games. They don't seem to really pay attention. So that's just me being salty at this point. 
Moving on. And that just makes me mad when all these people are like, are like, oh, it's the three-man rush, like Don Pelham's three-man rush. And it's like, well, actually, uh, his offense worked best when there were four rushers and then second best when there were five, but not that much. Uh, not that much better than three. But you're like, oh, we need to rush six. Like, when we rush six, those are the worst pass protection or pass coverage we've ever had. Like, there were so many touchdowns at that point. Yeah, rushing six is um, excessive. Yeah. So, my favorite's five. And you can disguise, like, which ones they're coming from. Mm -hmm. Um, But... Uh... Oh, one more thing I want to bring up before you move on. How about the linebackers in pass coverage? One-on-one with, like, receivers and running backs. Like, Tyson Coleman had a pass breakup. Prevo was running deep with uh, receivers. And they were running deep, like, 20, 30 yards downfield. Oh, yeah. Even Jill Walker had a few pass breakups. Yeah, there, there was that near touchdown that Washington had in... Coleman was stride for stride with the guy like 25, 30 yards to the end zone. Mm-hmm. And it was crazy it's because I was like, wait, that was Coleman? Um, oh, another player, player I want to point out doing really well. Juwan Williams, number 17, he was flying everywhere. Had a lot of pass breakups. He was... Unbelievable. He looks like he's like the nickel DB. Just unbelievable. Yeah. Um. So, all right, moving on. You want to talk about Arizona State? We can talk about Arizona State. We should be uh able to talk about basketball in a couple weeks. Yeah, there was a. Um, I'm starting to see a couple basketball tweets trickle into my timeline. Yeah. Um, Let's see, Matt, good old, good old Matt Prem was tweeting about him today. And he works for 24-7, right? Is that him? That's, that's correct. Uh, Dylan Ennis on picking up the Oregon system, he said, quote, if we had a game tomorrow, I'd be ready to play. Um, I don't believe him. I don't believe that he believes that. It's a confident statement. But, yeah. Um, but let's let's do this. Let's let's dabble into let's dabble into Oregon basketball for a second, and let's, let's save Arizona State for um, for next week's sling and quack. Um, let's just talk about it briefly since that's the next game. We can do this in like five minutes. Let's dabble on it. Do a little dabble. Um, let's see, seven thirty. Kickoff on a Thursday night. Uh, yeah, um, let's take a look. Uh, just going down the stats, uh, Oregon outscores points per game 10. Uh, points allowed per game also is 10 greater <laughs> than uh, Arizona State. 39.3 points per game for Oregon, allowing 36 per game. Arizona State allowing 27 points a game and scoring 29 points a game. So, I mean, Arizona State doesn't have as many um, 
I mean, like, based on the percentages of... I'm trying to figure out how to articulate this. Like, they're very relatable in their statistics for, like, however close Oregon is between um, its offense and defense. Arizona State is the exact same way. Mm -hmm. So... Arizona State lost to Utah by uh, 16, but that game is way closer than that score indicates. They beat Colorado by 25, beat uh, UCLA by 15, and that game really came out of nowhere. Um, Lost to USC 42-14, beat New Mexico 34-10. New Mexico's a joke, so that was concerning. And they opened up losing to... Texas A&M to start the season off and their offensive line got manhandles. Um, so, I I mean, here's... Wow, they're 2-5? and five? Wow. Oh, that's against the spread. I was like, that cannot yeah. be right. They're 4-3. Four and, three. Four and three. Yeah. Um, but they've played better in conference games so far. Um... So, it's going to be... It's going to be a close one, I think. It's going to be a close one. But here's the thing with Arizona State. At least this was true last year. They don't necessarily lose games that they play uh, very good in, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Like, there's no, like, oh, man, they could have won that one. It is straight up, like, against, uh, like, adjusted points average that football study hall puts out. Mm-hmm. They will either play out of their minds great, or they will play absolutely awful. Like, if they lose a game, it's legitimately because of them. Yeah. So, it's bad. Like, when they are bad, they are bad and there is nothing anybody can do about it like Arizona in the Pac-12 championship game bad so when it when it rains it pours yep I mean I and I guess this one would be a, metaphorically speaking since it does not rain in the desert but correct yeah all right basketball let's do it I'm psyched I'm actually I was telling I was telling my friend about this the other night I'm actually legitimately for the first I think for the first time since I started following Oregon athletics back in about 2008 around 2009 so when I started going to school there this is the first time that I'm just it's like all right I'm kind of done with football let's let's get some let's get some hoops going Yeah, well, after this football season, it's really easy to say that. Bandwagoner. Um, So, yeah, the basketball team is... Wasn't it you who brought it up on the Lost Pod that we did? Where it was like, did Ernie Kent ever surpass expectations? And then the other question was, like, uh, has there ever been a year where uh, Dana Altman has not met expectations. 
Yeah. And I was like, like, Ernie Kent got higher expectations, and Dana Altman has low expectations every year, and he just continually gets his team to a level higher than we thought possible. Right. It's... And it's like, I mean, look at look at last year. Like, nobody would have been shocked if that team last year had lost 20 games and they wound up going to, what was it, Sweet 16? Yeah. And this year, like, Tyler Dorsey, Dylan Ennis, Kendall Small, like, they've got, like, actual, like, young five-star talent. And here, so here's the biggest thing is... I think part of the problem of, like, there's always been the issue of, like, oh, like, you know, nobody goes to Oregon basketball games even when they're winning. Like, yeah, because tickets are overpriced and nobody cares because nobody here, has any reason to care. So, here, But here's the other problem that I think gets touched on us is that the Dana Altman in the past has loved to – he builds his programs around transfers. And that's all fine and good except – for you don't really like a fan base can't identify with and like grow to love a transfer because they're only there for two years at most you know and there's no like there's no guys who are like okay we watched you come in as a freshman we watched you grow now you're here as a senior like there there haven't been any of those guys recently if all these guys stick around and like we actually get four years at like Tyler Dorsey and Kendall Small, you know Trevor Manuel got these freshmen coming in. Like, if we can get all four years out of all these guys, like I think three, four years from now, you know, if the, the if the program keeps winning, maybe you'll see a more kind of consistent following. Um. So I'm I'm excited that there's like there's actually some balance on the team this year with as far as like you know it's not it's not just a bunch of youngsters or it's not just you know I, I think that I have high I have much unlike last year I have high expectations for the team this year yeah um, I I have expectations of uh, I said I was talking to my friend last night about kind of some predictions i said 24 and 8 i say 24 and 8 and losing in the elite eight that's your prediction that's my prediction for oregon basketball this year even though we lost joseph young who was just a score even though we lost joseph young i i feel like i'm just looking up and down this roster right now and i feel really good about it like Dylan Brooks, Jordan Bell, Dwayne Benjamin. I think those are going to be the guys who, like, carry the team. And then I think, you know, the newcomers like Tyler Dorsey, Small, and um, and then with the experience of Dylan Ellis, I think you're going to – I think there's just – the team has depth this year, um, and there's a lot of – I'm I'm seeing a lot of like potential and a lot of scoring threats here and I just I feel good about it, man. Yeah, I mean with Dana Altman we know that we're gonna get a good team every year, even though it does not look like it at all. 
Right. Like, at some point, you're kind of like, okay. Like, if you stepped away, like, if you saw the beginning of the year and you're like, okay, uh, looking at the roster, they'll probably be pretty good, but what can we expect? And you look at them, like, mid-year, it's like, whoa, where did this team come from? Mm-hmm. I never would have guessed this. Um, but I don't even think it's an issue with transfers, right? Because we get transfers in football, right? Like Vernon Adams, like right. Garrett Blunt. Like, people know who those guys are. And over the course of the year, they can get, like, a lot of... Um, like, the fan base can really come to, like, like them. Mm-hmm. Um, but... And there's even fewer there's even fewer football games than there are basketball games. So, I mean, if you had to pick, like, three words that describes... Oregon football, what would they be? Three words that describe Oregon football. I would say... I would say just flashy. That's more of just a visual thing. Okay, that's Uh, legit. I would say flashy, up-tempo. Okay. And... Hmm... I'm struggling on the third one here. What 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 do you got as your three? I would say um, looks, speed, and uh, innovation. Those would be my three. Mm-hmm. Okay, now do That's you th- fair. yeah? So do three for the basketball team. <laughs> Jesus, exactly. Like, there's no brand. Like, nobody knows. Yeah. Like this this team has zero identity no one has any reason to connect with them like especially if you're in yeah i don't even think i can come up with one to be honest yeah exactly i think that the only one i can come up with would just be surprising because transfers surprise us every year yeah surprising and transfers and it's kind of what the program's always been built around and um yeah it'll be I i don't know i'm I'm excited for it, though. I, I sense good things coming. Yeah. So that that's my whole thing from coming from and still having, like, a sports marketing, like, background is there's nothing to, like, sell the team on, you know? Because, like, players turn over all the time, right? Like, yeah. in college sports, you get four. You get four years max of seeing guys play. Yep. Like, that's a turnover far surpassing anything like the only constant is coaching really mm-hmm. um which is also why i don't think we should really fire anybody because that's what oregon's been good at is coaching consistency um so there's just no identity there's like no reason to get excited like you can like you don't want to sell winning ever because if you start sucking then you lose everything that you've been selling for years right yeah you you never sell results when you market a team you sell what you can control right so with the blazers a few years ago when they were god awful before like damian lillard got there it was like rise with us um uh oh my god so i was thinking of this a few a few weeks ago i was at the oregon football game and I might, stop me if I've said this. There was a women's soccer like promo on Duck Vision. Okay. And it was maybe the worst 
commercial I've ever seen in terms of like messaging and theme, like the theme. Mm-hmm. It was basically, we aren't good at soccer, but we tried really hard. So you should come watch. I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. That was what I got from that. Yeah. Was we aren't good at soccer, but we try hard. So you should come watch. Does anybody care? Right. And so like Blazers like rise with us like, oh, okay, they'll be good in years. Like that's a certainty. I'm going to go watch these guys now because in a few years they're going to be really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, like with the Ducks, like their calling card has been like, oh, we're at like, we're the like best dressed. We're your favorite team's favorite team. Like all that stuff. Hashtag national brand was kind of when the athletic department and fan base like jumped the shark because at that point it was like a parody of itself. Yeah. See, the funny part, too, is that I've I don't know if like I think even like the marketing guys have given up on like the national brand hashtag because I don't see it that much anymore. Good. It sucked. I used to see it on Twitter like 10 times a day. And now like I don't I don't know if I've even seen it this season. Good. I'm over that. But on a quick side note, if any of you people in either you gene or if you're super dedicated in portland or just the area in general have you heard of the the 99 nick the experience i remember seeing something about it but i've i remember the name of it but i don't this is my favorite thing that oregon basketball has ever done mostly just because uh nick lucenti was like my favorite bench player of all time he was just he was the guy that never did anything but his energy level was through the roof and he played at oregon and he played at oregon and the the picture they use if this is on go ducks the picture they use of him is just him on the bench wearing his shooting shirt and he just looks like he's ready rage he's just got this like pure uh, just the look of raw emotion on his face and that's what i love is just like his energy level the whole time so 99 bucks will get you season tickets this year for basketball and the catch is that it says it'll be a hundred percent mobile application that offers its owners some of the best seats remaining for each game at matthew knight arena for certain games, then floor seats. For other games, they'll be higher up, but the vast majority will be in a lower bowl. And so, you don't know we're sitting for the next game until the day of the game. And I think like one of the games, like you're guaranteed like a courtside seat. Really? So there's like, yeah. so there's like sixteen home games. It's 20, 20 home games, and the barcodes for all 20 games will be loaded into the app within 48 hours of purchase. And fans will get a text message 24 hours in advance notifying them of their seat location. Seats will be different for each games. Um, so are only fans, 20 people able to get, buy these tickets? So there's, there's 111 passes available, one for each year of Oregon basketball. Oh, so only 20 people get to sit at the Vicente seat? Well, there's... Yeah, so... Oh. 
so yeah, if if it sells out and 111 people have the pass, and yeah, there's 20 home games, so you do the math. But what a bummer! It's I mean, I wouldn't pay for that. I would want a guaranteed seat, but they would cost way more. Yeah, I would I would take the 99 dollars season ticket package. That seems like a good deal to me. Actually, yeah, if you get to go to every game, anyways. Yeah. Exactly. If we're breaking this down from strictly a numbers standpoint, it's five dollars a year. Ninety nine bucks. Yeah, you're paying four ninety five a game. That's a. Uh, and they oh, said well, that excuse most four ninety five. I'm sure after all their taxes and fees, it's more. But oh, for sure. Uh, but they just nickel and dime you with like. Exactly. But uh, transaction fee, shipping and handling fee. Wait, I thought this was going to my phone. Nope, still counts. Still counts. Um. Yeah, but that would be yeah, that would be my how I would watch the games this year. Ninety nine bucks. I'm just, but alas, I'm in San Francisco, and, and that would be a horribly horrible purchase for me. What you don't want to fly up like twice a week? Oh yeah, that's how I I, I don't want to think. I love this team, just not that much. I will I will show them my appreciation by going to the the Cal and Stanford games in, in the area this year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, basketball, it's kind of like, oh, it's Oregon sports. I like basketball, but if it's, it's kind of like, I don't know. I'm not super into college basketball anymore. Yeah. Uh, just because I don't have nearly enough time as I did I when I was in college. I actually had... I, and this is something that surprised me looking back. I actually had more fun when I look at my collective university of experience, you know, looking back on it, I had more fun at basketball games than I did at football games. What? Football. Here, here's why football games were just, it was an entire day's ordeal. Like, which is why would, it's the best. We would get there hours ahead of earlier than we really needed to be. So we could be front row for, you know, not even the best seats in the house. But Wait, you did that had, even throughout your... You did that for your entire time in college? I did that for my entire... I was up in the press box senior year, but freshman, sophomore, junior year. Oh. Yep. We would be... Noon kickoff meant we were at the gates at 6 a.m. And and then, you know, be a full, full day. It's, you know, it, it's just kind of... It's fun, but it's exhausting. Oh, you um, were one of those people. I was one of those people, yeah. I I did not, I never had the luxury, well, I guess I could have, I just chose to be one of those people, but yeah, never, I think I tailgated for one game. Maybe. See, that's where you did it wrong. <laughs> See, it's your I, fault. <laughs> if I look back, well, part of the part of the thing, too, was that my, my group of friends that I had, they were all the, you know, we need to be in the front row people, so. Oh, man. I, I I was more the like I I had more fun at tailgating of games, but you know had to pick and choose. I chose friends. Um, peer pressure. Peer ba- pressure. Like basketball games, you just you know you get there a few hours ahead of time. You know you can you can just heckle so much easier because they hear everything you say. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's just like it. I had more fun at basketball games than I did at football games. Yeah, I could see that. But I'm sure if I had tailgated football games, I might look at that a little bit differently. Yeah, well, football is my favorite thing in the world, I think. College football. Um, 
but man, I yeah. I think college basketball was cool, but for so like for the Ducks, but for so many games, the arena was like lifeless. Oh yeah, I totally agree. And so I'd sit with like a couple of my friends in like the one hundred section, but it would just be like kicking it. Like I like it was so quiet. Like if we were yelling, it would have been weird. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, for when Arizona State was like number four and they played there. That game was wild. I was at that one. Mm-hmm. Um, there were a few. Uh, there were like a few like that, but for the most part, it was like you could hear all the coaches yelling. You could hear like every player saying stuff, and it was just kind of like just kind of watching people play basketball. Yeah, exactly. So it's really tough to like get up for going when that's also the case. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of like, I'm going to go watch basketball. Like, it's Oregon basketball, so I'll go. But I'm not, like, super thrilled about it. Like, if I had to pay for tickets, I probably never would have gone. Right. So, yeah, well, all, obviously you can hear how much apathy I have towards. <laughs> <laughs> obviously. You can tell that Sean is very excited for basketball season while Rusty's just like, meh. Well, it's just like, I'm excited for it, and I'm going to like watch the games. I'm excited for Oregon basketball to be back, but it's not like, I don't know what I'm excited about yeah. like necessarily. Like, I'm excited because it's Oregon basketball, but I don't know outside of that what I'm supposed to be excited about. Give us an identity. Yeah, seriously, though. Give me like a couple things to hold on to. Like, yeah. Like, other than just, like, transfer Palooza. Man, I, I wish we could get Craig Pittens on here and just talk Oregon basketball marketing. Yeah, and then just tell us about how their seats are reasonably priced. When we all know that's a huge lie. And then I'll show him my checking account, and I'll be like, no, they're not. <laughs> Maybe, oh my god, I don't feel like that would go over well at all. I feel like that would be a disaster. Yeah, first off, we'd have to go off your Skype account. So, yeah, we'd have to run everything through you. So, all right. Well, closing comments? Closing comments. We, we go another year of Oregon beating Washington, and that's all that matters. That is all that matters. That is all that matters. I literally can't emphasize enough how fine I am with this season. <laughs> Now that Everything we else is just peachy. Nothing else matters. Everything else Whatever. is just frosting on the cake. Like, I'm so Whatever good. Whatever happens, happens. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to imagine, like, I'm trying to relate it to something else, you know? Like, it's like if you, uh, it's like if you're taking a class and you're just like, as long as I get a B, or as like, as long as I get, like, whatever on this test, then I'll be fine. Like, all I need to do is get through this one test and I'm fine. So. Alright, well, that'll do us. That'll do it for us. Uh, We hope you join us again next week in Amsterdam, where we will hopefully get this up sooner than... This is going to go up Thursday, even though we're recording on Back to the Future Day. Um... So, and we got to get it up before Thursday next week. 
Yeah, we'll make it happen. We'll, we'll figure something out. All right. Well, that'll do it for us. That's Sean. I'm Rusty. See you guys next week.